Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor recommended dose of MD innovation. So this is Dr. Gregory Goodman on The Modern MD. Huge honor today. This is episode number 30. We've got Dr. Sean Gandhi, who is the chief medical officer of Wellable, a Boston-based startup focused on mobile incentives to promote health and wellness. Sean is fascinated by the promise of IT solutions to enhance access, improve quality, and reduce costs in healthcare. During medical school, he was a care analyst firm focused on developing IT products for payer and providers. Dr. Gandhi received his doctoral degree in medical oncology from the University of Oxford, where he was a Rhodes Scholar, and an MD-MBA joint degree from Harvard Business School and Harvard Medical School. Dr. Gandhi is currently a resident physician in internal medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital. Sean, welcome to The Modern MD. Such an honor to have you on the show. Oh, thanks so much, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Sean, tell us a little bit more about you personally and your journey as a physician entrepreneur. I think it really started in graduate school in that my PI, in addition to supervising all of us in our research, and my research was in colon cancer and specifically in colon cancer diagnostics, but he, in addition to his academic role, he had a, he played a lot of he held a lot of different hats. And so one of them involved advising a lot of small biotech companies in Silicon Valley um, and in the UK. So just hearing him talk about his experiences serving on these boards and advising these companies, it just really it started to get me thinking about the much more like broader implications of the work that at that time what I was doing in biomedical science, but even currently today thinking about the broader implications of what I do in medicine. There is, I think, when you see uh, commentators or like politicians talk about medical research, they tend to couch it in terms of this is the science, this is the research that will allow us to develop new treatments that will help people live longer lives, live healthier lives. And so when you hear about that, it, it makes you think twice about how important entrepreneurship actually is to medicine and to science. The work that I do every day as a resident involves prescribing all, like any number of drugs, thinking about different devices, thinking about different treatment regimens. And these were all, at some point in time, research projects that were then commercialized by an entrepreneur. And so the wide armamentarium that we have as physicians today really is a result of some really innovative, hardworking entrepreneurs that actually brought these ideas um, from a research realm into a clinical realm. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that if, if the role of a physician, which is to care for the sick and, and to improve the health of society, if, if you really think about that mission, um, not only does it involve taking care of patients in front of you, but it also, in my mind, involves trying to improve the next generation of therapies that we have so that patients tomorrow have better treatments and so they can live longer, healthier lives than, than they do today. It's so amazing. I love that. And I truly also believe that entrepreneurship is one of the most powerful you know, vehicles for change. And it's exciting to see young physicians like yourself really embracing that pathway and 
thinking about how you can make a difference, not only, you know, with your single patient that you treated today, but, you know, also on a broader scale. So I want to, you know, jump into the success quote. We launch every show off with the success quote. Do you have a, a quote that's important to you that you'd like to share, Sean? It's not only a quote per se, but I think I'm just guided by, and this is actually just the way I kind of stay positive every day, is every day I try to organize my life or at least organize my actions so that uh, at the end of the day, I can point to one person in my mind and say that I actually helped that person in some tangible way. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in a clinical context, but I really need that to happen every day. I need to think to myself, I've helped this person or that person, and I can like name them in my head every day. And if I can't do that, then I have to stop and think to myself, like, what am I doing? And what do I need to change? Because that's really what we should be doing on a daily basis. So kind of a, kind of a longish quote, not really pissy. I'm not Steve Jobs or Gandhi or some, someone like that, but I think it kind of gets the point across. I love that, Sean. That's so cool. And, you know, you're helping the whole, you know, modern MD tribe today and, and many young physicians. So thank you for sharing your wisdom on with us today. So we're excited. You're making a big impact today. So I want to shift our section white coat to business suit. And I think you play a really interesting role. You're a, a resident physician entrepreneur. Can you kind of just talk a little bit more about how you're living both dreams as both a resident as well as some of the entrepreneurial work you're doing and how you've made that transition or how you do both? It really, Greg, it really comes down to time management and staying really focused on what really drives you. So again, like, like what, I, what I talked about earlier with why I feel entrepreneurship is integral to medicine, that's part, that, that's how I stay focused. It's uh, making sure that there's time for both sides of my life and my career so that I devote enough time to my clinical duties so that I learn and grow as a resident, but that also I have time set aside to work on my entrepreneurial activities. And I think both of them actually feed into each other. The clinical side, obviously, I get to take care of patients directly, and that's obviously very, very fulfilling and very satisfying. And you can really see, um, at least we hope most of the time, see the benefits of our treatments um, on our patients and, and, and see, them grow, um, see them get better and get healthier as a result of our interventions. And then, but then I get to take a step back and think more broadly about how do we make sure that these interventions continue um, to continue to evolve and continue to get better over time. And that's where I kind of put my entrepreneurship hat on and think more broadly about issues. And then after a while, if I'm thinking too much about things at a 30,000 foot view, I can then kind of reground it and, and go back into the hospital and see these are actually the people that we are all trying to help. So it's kind of this symbiotic relationship where you get to be very, very in the weeds dealing with the real challenges of medicine on a day-to-day basis, while at the same time, think about the broader challenges facing the system that if they were to be fixed or at least helped in some way, everyone will be much better off. That's so cool. And, and I think it is fun to kind of, to your point, go from the 30,000 foot view down to the ground level treating patients. I think it's a lot of fun to be able to switch between those levels, feel like you're adding input and value. I'd love to ask your advice. I know there's a lot of you know medical students 
or uh, even residents kind of interested in entrepreneurship, what would be your advice to somebody, you know, looking to kind of make a difference more at a system level? How would you get involved and what would be some tips? So the way the way that I really got started is very, very simple. It's your like medical students, residents, attendings, you're in the system on a daily basis. You see the challenges of the system. When I go to my continuity clinic and I see the different chronic diseases that my patients have, I listen to them as they tell me their challenges about filling certain prescriptions, uh, being able to get to physical therapy, being able to get to my clinic, their, their struggles to like remember, like remembering to take their pills, remembering to stay motivated about a certain wellness plan that they're on because they have diabetes or they have coronary artery disease and they need to, they know that they need to lose weight or they need to exercise more. You see the actual challenges in front of you. And I think the biggest piece of advice I would give is as anyone who's in medicine, you'll see loads and loads of challenges. Like it will just hit you from day one. And, and I feel like one, probably one, maybe two will really resonate with you. And you'll say, this is horrible that this is the way things are, that this is the way things are run. And I feel like there's a better way to fix it. So if I think it's about staying very open-minded and listening to like what your brain is telling you, what your heart is telling you about what challenges really resonate with you. And once you find that passion in, in healthcare, it'll really push you forward as you try to fix it, hopefully. And, and in terms of then like finding opportunities on how to capitalize on that passion to really change healthcare, there's a lot out there. Um, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that are working in these spaces. There are a lot of researchers that are working in it. Um, and even, and if you find something that really the healthcare sector really hasn't thought about, I'm pretty certain that another industry that's outside of healthcare has thought of it already. Like one of the stories I always tell people is, so I'm sure, I'm sure you've run into this, Greg, as well, but when you have a patient in front of you who had his or her care um, at another institution and like trying to get records from that other institution, it's, it's oftentimes really, really challenging to do it. And, you know, a lot of people in healthcare have thought about how do we improve interoperability of EMRs and how do we like help communication? Like some people have thought about, oh, like, couldn't someone just like, walk around with a flash drive and on their keychain that holds all their medical records in there and can just access them whenever they, they need care. And I think a lot of those ideas, if you think about it, come from other industries. So like the banking industry, for example, like I can take my ATM card, go to some small town in the middle of America, or even like go abroad to like the depths of Siberia or Australia and put my card into an ATM machine and money will come out like instantaneously within seconds. And and so I think there's a lot to learn from other industries um, such that if it's something that you're really passionate about that healthcare really hasn't explored, I think there are opportunities to actually go about it through what another industry has, how another industry has done it. And, and there are lots of practitioners in those fields that have dealt with these same challenges. And I think there are ways in which you can adapt what they have learned um, to the healthcare setting. It's such great advice. And I think it's really powerful. You can, every day as you're treating patients, learn so much from the patient. And I love kind of your perspective, thinking outside of the industry. I know uh, getting medical records and even medications, you know, calling pharmacies 
is the daily struggle of a intern slash resident. I want to shift to kind of, you know, the idea to venture. So it sounds like you hit a pain point and started Wellable. Can you talk a little bit about your journey starting the company and, and what the big mission is? So Wellable is focused on trying to increase access to health and wellness programs for everybody. If you think about, if you, if you read about really big corporations like Google or Facebook or IBM or a company like that, I think everyone's kind of agreed that eating well, exercising, staying fit, these are all attributes that we should all aspire to. Like they have very, very strong health benefits. You, it saves the, it keeps you out of the hospital. It keeps you healthier. And it also saves the system money in terms of less disease burden in society. And so I think a lot of, a lot of big companies have understood this and have started programs where, you know, you can get a reward, you can get a gift if you walk 10,000 steps in a day, or if you choose a salad over the burger in the corporate cafeteria, you get a bonus or some sort of reward for it. And, and these kind of programs are really popular and it's a very innovative way to incentivize people to stay fit when there are just so many challenges that people face in trying to stay fit, like differential costs of food, just difficulty of, exer- of getting some time to exercise. So like adding that extra little incentive oftentimes helps people make the right decision and kind of nudge them toward health and towards fitness. But the, I think the problem with that is these are really tailor-made programs. They're very complicated to set up. They're very expensive. And so, you know, for the vast majority of people, at least here in the United States, who work at small and medium-sized companies that really can't afford these types of programs, there's really nothing out there for them. And so that's where myself, my co-founders, we came up with Volleyball. We essentially have created a back-end support so that if you use any kind of fitness app or fitness wearable, such as like your, your Fitbits, your Runkeepers, your Jawbones, you can participate in a wellness program through your employer, no matter how big or small. Because our program essentially is right out of the box. If your employer, even if it's 10 people or if it's 100 people or even if it's like, like our biggest customer, 6,000 employees, if, if, they, if your employer feels that this is important, and I think the trend is that all employers feel this is important, that they can enroll their employees in, in this type of reward program at a very low cost. That's way cheaper than what the Googles and Facebooks and Apples of the world are paying. Um, and obviously, they get their own consultants, they get their own tailored solutions. Our solutions are kind of right out of the box. Um, with, there's a little room for customization, but they're kind of ready-made for, um, for different companies. And really, our, our mission is to get people more active and get people to feel empowered to stay healthy and stay fit. And if we can offer a technological solution that gets people to do that by like having them use their phones, use their wearables to do it, then we feel that society benefits. People are healthier, people live longer, people live happier lives. And at the same time, we save money in the process in terms of back and health costs. Such an awesome mission and really incredible work that you're doing to allow everybody to access some of these really, you know, fancy programs, you know, at smaller companies and give them an opportunity to participate. I think there's a lot of research around, you know, people, you know, working and collaborating together, uh, you know, or in groups, kind of that social interaction and those challenges uh, really inspire people to, to change behavior. 
what are some of the lessons that you've learned kind of starting the company? And, you know, what are some of the insights that you've seen from some of your customers? Number one, uh, things take longer than you think they will. Things take a lot more work than you think they will. I think particularly during the early stages of our company, we quickly realized that for a lot of employers, the sales cycle is pretty long. It can be 12 up to 18 months. So we were, we were like negotiating with employers to implement our product 18 months from now. And, and so it's this really, it made you, it just changed, really changed your perspective of how we like allocate our resources and like how hard we push, because we know that, even though it is 18 months away where their old contract expires and they're going to sign a new one or it goes through all the whichever uh, vetting process that happens in, in companies. Now we have to, we have to persevere and we have to continue, we have to continue working with them. And at the same time, if a customer was not interested in our product now, they may become interested later on. And so it, it becomes incredibly important to stay in contact with people and continually at least from the business side of our business, continually show value for where our products um, add to the mission of the employer and add to their bottom line. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of sales calls. Sales are extremely, extremely important. And, and being very, very, being very persuasive in front of people who are probably like my age, three times my age, was a challenge. Uh, it was a challenge at first. We kind of, figured it out as we went along. So I think it, it really comes down to focusing on why, like you really just have to focus on why your product, you feel your product is valuable. You feel your product like adds value to your customers and then continually focus on that as you slog through all of the work that always happens when you're trying to launch a company. There is a lot of work, but it's, it's worth it, right? You're creating a new product you're creating value for customers. You're, you're actually changing how people, in, in our case, changing how people experience health and wellness. And at, it, the, the rewards all come in the end after that hard work. Such great advice and insights. And, and I think at the heart of every company, you know, everybody wants to create cool products, but you know, it's the sales that really drives the company oftentimes. And you know, it's such a core piece. So learning how to sell even as a doctor and creating value, I think, is a really important skill, you know, for many reasons. So I want to shift to our, not our typical hospital rounds, so not your typical, you know, ICU or uh, medical rounds. These are business rounds. Sean, what is the best advice that you've ever been given? I think it's, uh, it was actually a piece of career advice that I got from one of my, one of my business school professors. And he basically said, when you're thinking about your career, you can actually think of it as, a Venn diagram of three intersecting circles. And the circles are, number one, in your career, you want to be extremely highly performing. You want to be very highly performing in that career, um, such that you are like one of the best in, in, the particular, in the particular niche or the particular market that you're in. The second circle is you have to be incredibly passionate about what is it that you're doing, so that even when things don't go according to plan or things are very tough that your passion really carries you through and motivates you. And then the third circle, which he added, and I think this is probably the controversial part of this advice is that it has to, that the thing that you're doing needs to be valued by society. 
um, somebody out there in the world should value the services or value the product that you're making such that they would like pay you, compensate you, at least value your work in some way. And so the secret to a good career or secret to a great career is when you can get all three of them, when you can achieve world-class performance, have great passion, and find something where society actually values. And, and that kind of really stuck with me because I feel like when I think about, like when I was thinking about my careers, when I was a kid, when I was in college, and there were all these different things that were all out there. And when I was, I'm thinking back to how I approached it, and now I kind of see that pretty much everything that I was thinking about, except for a few things, medicine being one of them, I was only able to get two of them. I wasn't able to get all three. And I feel like in medicine, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if I do well. But I feel as though I can get all three in, in what I'm doing right now at the intersection of medicine and entrepreneurship. So that, that kind of really stuck with me. We'll see if it pans out for me. It made a lot of sense. It made, uh, it made, me, think, made me think a lot harder about the career choices, the professional choices I make going forward. That's really, really advice. I think uh, you're, you're well on your way to, uh, to you know, living that kind of dream. So really awesome. So along those lines, can you share if you have kind of a daily success habit or a kind of morning routine that you do on, on a daily basis that you might attribute to some of your success? I think it's not really, so what I do is probably not transferable to other people, but I think the way I went about it is probably pretty transferable. And, and so I realized when I was in grad school that I'm most productive in the early morning. So between like five and seven or five or and eight in the morning, I'm really refreshed and excited about the day. And I can really focus on tasks that require a lot of thinking. And just having that awareness that like that time is the best time for me to work. I actually do a lot of my like kind of long-term planning and thinking about thinking about different projects early in the morning. And so I actually wake up early in the morning specifically to do that. And I, I think the reason why I'm able, I think the reason, one of the reasons why I've been able to do what I've done is that I get to all the kind of cognitive process, all the thinking that has to go into these type of projects. I'm doing it at what I feel is probably the, like, the best time for my brain, the most optimal time. And I think that kind of success habit definitely you can think about it in your own way. Like when in the day do you feel you're most productive? For me, it's the early morning. There are other people for which, you know, midday, late at night, three in the morning, like that's when they're most productive. And I think just kind of, if you can, trying to align your schedule so that you can get very, very meaningful work done during that time when you feel most productive. I think you get, you just produce so much work. You produce higher quality work that you really are, are proud of and you really think kind of reflects your thought and reflects your, your effort. That's really cool. And I think chunking out almost kind of like a productive period, you know, where nobody bothers you. There's very few people up at 5 a.m. So I think it's a nice time. And you got to be, and you got to be like serious about it. Like I actually treat it as an appointment. Like it's a meeting. That's like, that's my time. Like no one can interfere with that. Like I don't check email at five or six in the morning that's my time to focus on stuff I need to get done. Um, and like, you know, other stuff can happen later on, but it's, I think knowing that 
you need time for yourself to think and to and to work on projects that are important to you. Like setting aside that time and finding the best time to do it, I think can really can really lead to good results. The personal appointment, I like that. Meeting, you know, nobody can disturb you. I think that's really awesome. So kind of our last section or our last question is on healthcare trends. Sean, where do you think the future of healthcare is going and what are you most excited about? That's a that's a really big question. I see I see a couple of things. There Actually, I think the biggest trend I see is it kind of comes in two flavors. There is a trend toward extreme personalization. And then I think there's also a trend toward universality in healthcare. So those things kind of sound different. But I think the trend toward personalization is as we discover more, as we understand biomedical science more, we realize that people are more unique than I think medicine has often treated us as such. And that, you know, because of our, our specific genomic sequences, our, the way we've been raised, the environmental factors that have influenced us, we can, as we understand more and more of this, uh, we can start to tailor our products ever more specifically to the individual health needs of the patient in front of us or the person that's in front of us. And I think this kind of, this kind of ties into the president's big initiative about precision medicine. I think he's more focused on the genomic side. I think you can kind of extend this to living in the world, maybe in 10 years or in 20 years where you get a very detailed personal profile of your health. And then the specific therapies or lifestyle interventions or even like coaching are all tailored around your specific profile. And so you, even though two people may have the same illness, so to speak, they may be treated in completely different ways because they are in fact different. Even though they may have the same illness, there are enough differences in how it manifests itself that you need to, um, you can devise better, you can devise different treatments. And then like tying in the universality, I think we can be, universality comes in that we can be way more nuanced and we can be way more thoughtful about more aspects of health. So I think particularly like in the biopharmaceutical sector, we've tended to focus on specific biomarkers. We've we tended to focus on specific pathways that have been implicated in health or in disease. And now, now that we're learning more about epigenetics, now that we're learning, learning more about social determinants of health, we can actually be much more holistic about how we treat people. We can think about lifestyle interventions. We can think about social interventions. We can think, of course, about pharmaceuticals or devices. We're getting, I think we're going to get to a level where we will, like, as a physician, I would be able to treat all aspects of someone's health and treat that, treat that person's health in a very, very tailored, specific way. It's really exciting. I think it's going to be an exciting time to practice medicine, you know, as we progress to more personalization, encompass that at the large kind of grand scale with different new models of payments and and other things. So Dr. Sean Gandhi, it was an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show. I'm really excited about all your work, inspired by all the, uh, you know, the work you've done and, and all the things to come. So thanks so much for joining us on The Modern MD. Really a pleasure. Thanks so much, Greg. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.